invite you to stand um, at God's written word with me. Today we will be talking, um, Pat will be preaching on Psalm 119 again. Today we will be on verses 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, Christ community. Kind of wondering where you all came from. This is a very large room this morning. Uh, I do thank you all for being here. If you're joining us at home, thank you as well for tuning in to be with us this morning. My name is Pat. I currently serve as one of four elders here at Christ Community, and it's a privilege as always to speak to you from God's Word. And once again, as Tony said, for our third week, we're going to go to God's Word to learn about God's Word. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. It's actually a song, a prayer that is meant to be sung. And if we attempted to sing it, we would take up half of our morning. For our time together, I was supposed to pick one stanza of this song to share with you all this morning. Like Scott did last week, I want to share a bit about my history with God's word. Peter, can I lower this a little bit, Garrett? Fits more my shortness. I grew up... uh, in a church that had a Bible in the back of every pew. I remember when I was eight or nine, around the age that my kids are, I remember going to Sunday school classes and learning to memorize certain verses. I remember having uh, Bible verse races, uh, really nerdy, uh, where the teacher would call out a certain verse and we would have to race to find it. On Sunday morning, our church read from the Bible, first from the Old Testament and then from the New Testament every Sunday. I remember that there was a large, very large Bible at the front of the sanctuary opened wide on a white linen covered altar table that we stared at every single week. In this particular faith tradition, we received a gold lined Bible when I started second grade. And I remember these things actually pretty fondly. But you know what else I remember? I remember that I 100% thought that the Bible was the most boring book that was ever written. And that lasted quite a long time. But to be honest, I didn't really understand it. See, I grew up in a church culture that didn't really center around the word of God. Definitely the word of God was present, but it seemed to me at least to be an add-on. At Christ's community at this church, at least I hope, that that is not the case. See, we worship God through his son Jesus. 
We exalt Jesus as the Lord of all creation. And the way that we get to know who God is and what God is like is by looking at and studying and preaching and teaching and meditating on God's word. The word of God is central to who we are as a church. And without it, I do believe that we would become utterly lost. Well, that's not going to change. At least we hope it doesn't. But if it does, if we start taking up your time on Sunday mornings or any other time that we gather, and we start teaching or proclaiming anything other than what the Bible says, then you should leave and find a different church because this one would be utterly worthless to you. And I mean that. Any church that does not cling to the Bible, though they may do much good, any church that does not strive to teach the word of God from the pages of scripture clearly and accurately is a church that you should leave. See, we're never going to get things perfectly here at Christ Community. I am sure that that has been abundantly clear to everyone over the last year. As a church, we will always have faults, but God's word matters and it grounds us. And we hope to teach and present it clearly and accurately. But the word of God, the pages of scripture, they're not just for us corporately. The word of God is for you individually. It's for your family. It's for your kids. The word of God should be what orders your home. It informs how you spend your time, how you talk with your friends, how you raise your children if you have them, how you consider spouses or whether to have a spouse. It informs how you think about work and rest and play and how to consider the poor and the afflicted and the marginalized and everything going on in our culture today. The word of God, the pages of scripture matter for your entire life. So with that said, I picked a stanza with eight verses that were incredibly significant to me early on as a new believer. And that have actually been very sweet to consider over this past week. The first verse in Psalm 119, we're not going to go over the first eight verses, but the first verse in Psalm 119 reads this. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. For sure, one could argue that this is a good way to consider the goal of the Christian life, to walk blameless before God. Now, I know I don't always do that, and neither do any of you, at least not all the time, but I want to. David, the writer of many of the Psalms, wants to as well, and so he asks a question that we'll begin our time with this morning. In verse 9 through 16, he starts the, the, verse 9 with this question, how can a young man keep his way pure? Well, given the context of what's around this psalm, we can presume that the young man in question is David himself. Now, I mentioned earlier that this set of verses was really significant to me as a young Christian in my late teens and early 20s. Well, young man and pure were the key words, right? The topic of the day 20 years ago for young men was lust. In fact, I'm quite sure it's still a topic of conversation today as I assume it has not gone anywhere. Battling lust or looking at another with an unholy sexual desire or even the temptation to lust was often thought of as the front line battlefield for young men. 
Not just young men, but young women as well. My friends and I would set up accountability groups and we would text each other often. We would pray with one another. And if we could achieve some period of time of existence without diving into lustful temptation, then we would call it success and we would be thankful to God together. And for good reason. The exercise of self-control and the pursuit of holiness is a good thing. The Bible has a lot to say about sexual sin and the pursuit of purity in that regard is a good and godly endeavor. However, that is not all that this verse is referencing when it talks of purity. It's talking about a whole lot more. See, the word way there is an all-encompassing pathway. David is asking, how do I set my life on the path that is right, on the path of righteousness? How do I set the entire course of my life in the way, the pure way, the pure way that God has intended for me? See, the purity that he references here is one of the heart. Verse 10 says, with my whole heart, I will seek you. And so this text applies to all ages. But it's not often that young men, and I would include young women here, are specifically addressed. And so I'll do that for a moment. I know we have some young men and some young women here today, and likely watching at home. And let me tell you, if you're listening, this speaks directly to you. I'm not sure there is a more difficult time in our lives to choose to walk with God Right? Maybe you could think of some other times that are more difficult, but certainly middle school and high school years are so important in determining the man or the woman that you will become. And something that I pray often for those in our youth group, particularly for those in fifth grade through senior year in high school, is that God would radically take hold of your lives, that he would establish you in a solid Christ-centered fellowship. And so if you're a teenager or soon to be teenager, you know that there are so many things besides following Jesus that take your attention. Here's a list. And I actually asked some young friends of mine, and here's what they said. Longing for the next new technology, checking Instagram for the next follow, the new show you want to watch or binge watch, Pressure from other kids to go along with the flow, whatever that might be. Temptations towards, we said before, sexual sin and lust. Materialism, whether it's clothes or other things. Video games, sleep, stress. One kid said, basically everything can distract me. It's very true. The list goes on and on and on. And the Apostle Paul wrote the book... In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 6, he wrote this. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But what does that mean? Well, it means that if we set our mind on things other than God to ultimately make us feel good and to give us value, to give us worth or pleasure, those things will lead to death. Death sounds really intense, but it's true. The things of this world that so easily distract us from the things of God will keep us from knowing the God who created us and came to have relationship with us. So your phone isn't a bad thing, but it can be a dangerous thing if you allow it to consume your thoughts. New clothes aren't a bad thing, but they can be a dangerous thing if they determine your value to others. 
Social media isn't a bad thing, but it can be a dangerous thing if you use it to find your worth from other people. But obviously, so teenagers and soon to be teenagers, listen to this. For everyone else in this room who's not a teen, all of this applies to you as well. See, the list of distractions still applies to adults. It just grows longer over the years. And so how can we keep our way pure? How can we live lives that are transformed from the inside out to conform to Christ? How can we, with our entire being, live the kind of joy-filled, God-exalting lives that he has actually called us to live? And so what's the answer that David has for this question? How can a young man keep his way pure? He says this, by guarding it according to your word. That's it. And I must say, this is utter foolishness to anyone who does not have a relationship with God. To anyone who does not know Jesus. Remember when I said earlier that I honestly thought the Bible was the most boring book that had ever been written in all of history. I challenge any of us who has never thought that at least once. So you start a Bible reading plan, as I've done before. And by the time you get to Leviticus, you decide to try again next year. Or you read a chapter in Mark about the casting out of demons, as we studied recently. Right? And you think, how in the world does this apply to my life? But of all the answers that David could have given to the question of keeping your way pure... Of living the life that God intended for you. He gives one simple answer. He says, guard the pathway of your life with the word of God. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to guard your life with the word of God? Well, first off, I'm quite positive that there are many people in the world who are not followers of Jesus. Who have knowledge of God's word far greater than I or any of us in this room. When I was in college, I took a class by a professor in theological studies right here at the U of I, focusing on the New Testament. He was not a Christian, admittedly, but he knew the Bible from front to back, and he had spent much of his adult life studying it. I'm also perfectly confident that there are Christians in the world who know the Bible really, really well, far better, again, than any of us in this room. I'm sure there are many Christians who could win Bible trivia every time because they have a great knowledge of God's word. But that's not what David is saying here. It isn't just knowing it. It's consuming it and using it. See, the best offense or defense strategy in any game or any war, for that matter, is useless if it's mere knowledge. You actually have to use it to defend yourself or to push the enemy back. And how do we do that? Well, the next seven verses, and much more actually in all of Psalm 119, that we're only going to look at these next seven, give us some practical steps to guarding our lives with the word of God. First, pursue the word of God passionately. Listen to verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Listen to Proverbs 3. Verses five through six it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's basically saying the same thing. Trust the Lord with your whole heart means not depending on your own understanding and in all ways, acknowledging him, acknowledging God. 
The best definition for the word all is all, everything. Think about that. What does acknowledging God in all of your ways mean? It means acknowledging him when you wake up. It means acknowledging him in what you eat and how you act and how you speak, what you watch, what you think, how you pray, who you befriend, everything. To seek God with your whole heart is to seek him in absolutely every desire, every want, need, hope, dream, and ambition. And it is submitting yourself completely and fully to God. See, the word of God, the Bible, speaks to all of these areas. Not always specifically, like it doesn't tell you when to go to sleep, but it does speak about rest. And it doesn't tell you what you should watch necessarily, but it does tell you what to set your mind upon. It doesn't tell you who to marry, but it does tell you the qualities of a godly spouse. It doesn't tell you what job to take, but it does teach us about the value of labor. It doesn't speak about screen time, but it does instruct us on how we should spend our time and how we should help our families to spend their time. See, David says, with my whole heart, I seek you. And I look at that and I think, how in the world is that a possibility? Could I ever say, with my whole heart, I seek him? The second half of verse 10 is a prayerful plea that comes right alongside that decree. He says, let me not wander from your commandments. See, David knows that the only way that he can actually seek God with his whole heart with every part of himself, is if God protects him. And so he pleads, simply, don't let me stray. Do not let me sin. He prays, please God, be merciful to me and keep me from suffering the pain of ignoring what your word says. So first we pursue God's word passionately with all of our beings. And second, we fill our hearts with God's word. Look at verse 11. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, David doesn't want to sin, right? He knows that his flesh loves to pursue the pleasures of this world, but he does not want to give in to it. And I absolutely believe that this verse is an encouragement to God's people to memorize scripture. But it also implies that we ought to be choosing to fill up our hearts with God's word instead of other things. Take songs, for example. My nine-year-old Cameron, who was very happy this morning that he made the sermon, he, uh, he's very like me in one very particular way. He loves music. We'll be in the car. Actually, he came with me this morning. And it's funny because this is exactly what was happening. We'll be in the car and, and I'll be playing music. And I listen to a pretty large variety of music from Christian pop to 80s rock to jazz or whatever else. And Cameron always sits right behind me. And I constantly hear him singing the lyrics to songs that I didn't even know that he knew. I didn't even know that he'd heard it before. And honestly, if I asked Cameron how many words to songs he actually knew, he would have absolutely no idea. But I assure you, it is a lot. Why is that? Because of repetition. Because he hears songs all the time. 
And his, memori- his memorization is nearly effortless. See, in a way, without even trying, his heart is being filled up and stored with words to songs. This happens to all of us. See, the depths of who we are are being filled up with words, with memories, with songs and ideas every single day. When we send our kids to school, as my wife and I do, their ears, which are a direct link to their hearts, are being filled with information. Some of which is true, some of which is not true. When we, you and I, when we watch the news or read articles, our hearts are being filled up with mass amounts of information. Some of which is true, some of which is not true. If our ears consume untruth, it reasons that we must have a filter of the ultimate truth, God's word, already taking up so much space in our hearts that there is no room for falsity. That it is quickly sifted out and thrown away. See, the word of God is true. It is the basis for truth, and in it, there is no falsehood. And so, are we storing up God's word in our heart? How do we do that? Well, it's not a mystery. We have to read it. We have to study it. We have to learn it. We have to meditate on it over and over again. Pause and consider this question. Really? Pause and be honest with yourself and maybe commit to sharing whatever your answer is when you leave. If you are a follower of Jesus, is the storehouse of your mind and your heart presently constantly growing to be filled with the word of God? Are you investing a substantial portion of your time filling up your heart with the words found on the pages of scripture? Is your home a place where the word of God is spoken and heard. See, if I understand David, he does this. He fills his heart with the holy word of God so that he might not sin. See, God's word in us is the greatest defense against straying and wandering from God. And Jesus did this, right? If you remember Satan tempting Jesus in the desert when he was hungry, In Matthew's gospel, it says the tempter said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He could have done it. And Jesus responds right away. But it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a perfect model for us. See, Jesus defended himself against sin with the word of God. He proclaimed as it is written. That means on the pages of scripture, the words of God. And he teaches us something even more profound. See, the word of God is more important to feast on even than food. Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life. But do you know how? It's not because he had superpowers, right? Sometimes I think we can miss that. Like somehow Jesus lived this perfect life because he was just a really good guy. But that's not true. He was tempted as we are tempted. He remained a good man because the storehouse of his heart was overflowing with the words of God. So much so that temptation did not stand a chance 
to leading him into sin. That was the trust with which he had in the Father. And so what do you do when you're tempted to sin? Think about the most significant sin patterns in your life right now. One big area in my life where I tend to sin against others and God more than other areas is in patience. Patience with my wife, patience with my kids, patience with those I work with. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, and as followers of Jesus, we are called to exude patience to others. So when I'm tempted to lose my my patience, which will inevitably lead to anger, which harms relationship, I desperately need the word of God to serve as spiritual armor. Ephesians 4.2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is patient and kind. Ecclesiastes 7.9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry. James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. There's a lot more. And to be honest, in a convicting way, I only had one of these readily stored in my heart as I wrote this. See, filling the storehouse of your heart with every word of truth available to you is what God will use to transform your life. But we have to know God's word. We have to know it by reading it, by going to it, by being in it, by studying it, by speaking it. I can't stress this question enough. Do you want to live a life that is growing to be more and more free from the pain of your own sin? That's David's question. How can a young man keep his way pure? If you want that kind of life, then you will, then you must pursue God's word with your whole heart. And you must store God's word in your heart. As much of it as he will allow you to fit as if your life depended on it. You will pray and ask him like David did to not let you wander from what his word commands. As I was considering this text, I remembered the book of Hebrews. Though some of you were not here at the time, Christ community actually studied Hebrews together a while back. And in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, we're reminded of something applicable. The book of Hebrews reads this in that chapter. It says, the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. So the writer of Hebrews speaks of one way that the word of God is living and active. Is that it works in you, in us, to expose our sin and transform us into the image of Christ. Certainly that happens on Sunday morning as we open God's word and learn from it. But that transformation also happens the other six days of the week in your home, in the car, when you wake And when you lay your head to sleep. But the word of God must be stored in your heart if you hope. And it can't be stored. It can't be treasured unless we read it. Unless we know it. I'm not a huge fan of long quotes. um, But I read a quote last week that has been resonating in my mind ever since. It will be up on your screen. Listen to these words from Charles Spurgeon. Oh, that you and I might get into the very heart of the word of God and get that word into ourselves. As I have seen the silkworm eat into the leaf and consume it, so ought we to do with the word of the Lord. 
not crawl ever its surface, but eat right into it till we have taken it into our inmost parts. It is idle merely to let the eye glance over the words or to recollect the poetical expressions or the historical facts. But it is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until, at last, you come to talk in scriptural language and your very style is fashioned upon scripture models. And what is better still, your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord. What he's saying is, imagine a life where you are so familiar with the, with the life-giving word of God that the very words of scripture permeate your vernacular. The very words of scripture are infiltrating every area of your life and your speech. You are so in tune with the heart of God that you recall the very words on the pages of scripture many, many times throughout your day as they apply to your work, to your relationships, to your joy, and to your suffering, to every facet of your life. But we must not deceive ourselves. There is no way for this kind of life to be lived, which I presume all of us who worship Jesus long for, unless we open the pages of Scripture with the the kind of intentionality with which we consume food and water. The Word of God is life to us. The next four verses, 12 through 16 which we won't spend as much time on, they continue David's prayer to God. Verse 12 says this, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So once again, David is asking God to help him. He says, teach me your statutes. See, he knows that God sustains him, that God is the one who is at work. God is the one who will teach him and grow him. As I bring us to a close this morning, Listen to these last four verses from David. In 13, it says, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. These four verses, which we could pick apart and spend hours talking about each one, are really just an explanation of what verse 10 says. With my whole heart, I seek you. With everything, my lips, my thoughts, my emotions, my eyes, with everything. I was reading this with my wife, Pam, and I asked her thoughts on it, and she said, it honestly just sounds really legalistic, like just get it right. Like a kind of statement, like if we just get it right, we'll be okay. And I agree. In those four verses, we're reminded to speak all the rules of God. We're reminded to value God above all riches. We're told that David will not forget God's word. I don't know about you, but I don't do all of these things a lot. This past week, I can tell you when my lips were very clearly declaring something that was definitely not the rules of God's mouth. The past month, our family has been trying to live on a more restrictive budget And I can assure you that there were times when I did not value God's word above all riches. The thought comes into my mind often, if I just had this amount of dollars, then my life would be in a good place. I can assure you that there were many times this past week when my eyes were fixed not on God and his ways, but on lesser things that produced way more momentary satisfaction 
and sitting and learning from God in his word. My kids just got the new Oculus Quest from grandma and grandpa. And I know that there are other kids in this room who got it as well. And if you don't know what that is, it's a virtual reality headset. I didn't know until a month ago. Maybe I'm the only parent in the room who does this, but I kind of enjoy when my, my boys go to sleep because then I get like 30 minutes to myself to be immersed in the virtual world. See, the simple truth is that we are going to fail. We are not going to do all that David has written here. And you know the major reason why I don't often choose to do a read through the Bible in a year plan? Sinfully, selfishly, it's because I don't like to fail. My flesh is weak, and no matter how hard I try, I don't always live the way that these verses tell me to live. And neither did David. All you have to do is study his life. But here's the good news. Jesus did. This isn't just a small add-on to our time this morning. See, Jesus actually did the things that David writes. He loved God with his whole heart. He had the entire counsel of God stored in his heart. He despised wealth for the sake of knowing God. He always spoke that which was life-giving from the word of God. He never forgot God's word, and he always, always delighted in it. So we have a clear picture that David did not have. David asks, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to God's word. Well, what does God's word say? Ultimately, the pages of scripture point to the person and work of Jesus. All of it is about him. He lived his perfect life that we see commended in the Psalms here. He died in our place for our sin and he was raised to new life. And if you place your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, then you are a new creation. See, Jesus has declared that you are pure so that you can pursue a life of purity. The main reason that the word of God is important to me, to us, is first and foremost because it points to Jesus. And I hope that every person here and every person listening follows Jesus. Do you want to know how to keep your way pure? How to live like God has called you to live? First and foremost, look to Jesus. Trust him. Follow him. To the young people in this room, I'll tell you what your parents probably tell you. Read your Bibles. But don't read your Bibles because you're trying to check off a box and be a good Christian. Read your Bibles because it will lead you to know Jesus. For all of us, read your Bibles, study the Bible, meditate on the Bible. There's no other way that you will grow to know and love Jesus in this lifetime. Without him, the words on the pages of scripture would be hopeless for us because we could never live up to what it says. But with Jesus, as you grow to know him, as you grow to see him in his word, he will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, transform you to be like him. He will not leave you as you are. His promise is that he will continue to do a work in you. And that's a good thing, because for those of us who are in Christ, we will be spending eternity with the one who God sent to save us, the word who became flesh.
I pray, as we're jumping into Ezra and Nehemiah in the coming uh, weeks and months, I pray that for this church, that the word of God would continue to grow sweeter and sweeter to us, even to those of us who have never seen it as sweet until now. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. That is what I long for for my own heart. That is what I long for for the hearts of the men and the women and the children in this room. That we desire to be a people after God's own heart. And we will find the heart of God in the very words of scripture. So captivate us with it. We plead with you, God, to make the word of God central in our lives. Store it in our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.